podcast with the Ryan Campbell. And it is back with a bang, mixed martial arts time on a busy week across UFC, Bellator, and more. And you better believe I'm about to put my co-host on the hot seat, been in the news himself. Let's waste no more time than bringing in the UFC Hall of Famer, Sugar Rashad Evans. Rashad, I'm going to put the pleasantries away. I'm not here to talk about your weekend. I'm not here to see your DMs, although you're going to show them to me. I mean, I'm here for that. Uh, I'm here because, bro, I got the ESPN alert from my man Brett Okamoto last week that Rashad Evans has parted ways with the UFC and he's considering a fighting comeback. If you listen to this show, you may have been able to decode a few teases over recent weeks, but I popped for this. Explain yourself, Hall of Famer. Yeah, you know, uh, BC, I was, um, you know, I've been feeling really good and I've been going back to the gym uh, for about, you know, six months now and, and just, you know, coming in to help out the guys, but I've been feeling really, really good. And, um, it is better than I ever felt before. And a lot of, a lot of things started to change as far as, you know, with my diet and my body and everything else like that. And once my body started to change, I noticed that a lot of the things that, you know, kept me from competing at my highest, you know, with, with my knee injury and just, um, having so many bumps and bruises and aches and pains through the years and never really finding recovery. Um, I found recovery and, and, and it had to do a lot with my diet. So, uh, I, I, I just, I just feel recharged. And I was like, you know what, let me, let me get in shape to see, just to see what happened. And then I go into get in shape and I'm like, and I'm still, and I'm still going, you know, I'm still on, I'm going with these guys. And I'm just like, you know what, man, I know I can still do this. And honestly speaking, when, when I stopped fighting, I stopped fighting more or less just because I, I didn't want to go through just the disappointment of not going out there being mentally focused again. And it's 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 really hard thing to uh you know to to really put into words because you know as an athlete um so much is so much is mental and I um I I just wanted to go out there and compete at my best but you know I, I mentally struggled in my last few fights. And now I feel like I'm in a place where I am. I have a new fuel in my system, and I am uh, mentally stronger than I ever been. And you know that feeling of wanting to compete, it came back. And as before, before I retired, that feeling was gone. Wow, this is firing me up. I got plenty of follow-up questions. I did want to interject and say Wikipedia is telling me that today is your birthday. Today, oh, as we yes, record this podcast, the birthday. Uh, you're turning 41 today. Happy birthday, Rashad oh, 40, Evans. 40, just 40, just 40. All right, See, all right. Get... We can, we can, we can get people off that. Just 40 today. <laughs> the... Hey, this is 40. And uh, how would you respond to people that haven't been peeping your IG and seeing the the ab work you've been putting in, posing on the Hawaiian beach, the people who only know, hey, the tail end of Rashad's UFC run, probably not what he wanted. Should he be coming back? Talk to those people right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, you know, those people want to say what they're going to say. And at the end of the day, you know, you can never answer those people until you go out there and do what what I what I what I'm planning on doing and go out there and fight in a great fight. But uh, you know, th- there's going to always be those people. Oh, Rashad, you know, you're a little old and, you know, what do you got to, you know, what do you got to gain? And, you know, uh, you know, your health and all these and all these things and all those things are very important. But, you know, the way I see it is this, you know, the same thing that that made me do this in the first place is the same thing that it's making me want to do this now. So, you know, it, it's it's by that same grace. It's by that same grace that it allowed me to fight this long and and not sustain injuries and it may be by the same grace that that allows me to you know continue and and have a couple more fights and not have any injuries but you know uh at, at the end of the day you know i'm the kind of person that that has made peace in my life in so many ways that i only care about this express i i care about this i care about expressing myself expressing myself is the highest on my uh 
on my to-do list, I, I should say, because you only get one life and you never know when it's going to end. And I would rather live my life and live it to the fullest and let what be may be instead of being like, man, I wish I would have done this or done that. Spoken like a true recent earthquake survivor and hurricane survivor, <laughs> Rashad Evans. But in all seriousness, near here, you sound like uh, you found the love of the game again. You sound like Michael Jordan going, you know what? I want to get on the bus and ride the minor league circuit because I just want to compete for the purity again. So in defense of you, five fight losing streak at this point. Oh, there's two split decisions in there, which, in fact, you pretty much got robbed. And... Uh, how much of that stretch was doing it because if it's a jo- because it's a job as opposed to the hunger and pure pure feeling you feel now? Um, yeah, it, it was it was a lot to do it because it was a job, and, and I feel like you know during like the last few fights of my my uh, my career, I felt like I was going through like a uh, like a spiritual awakening, you know, and that kind of threw me off as well, just because um, you know. It, it all started from, you know, when I hit my rock bottom, you know, and I hit my rock bottom when, you know, when I was injured for a few years and, you know, uh, it, it was tough, you know, it was tough to come back. And, you know, I, I faced a lot uh, just mentally speaking and mentally trying to get back on the same same level and, you know, just dealing with some personal things in my life, too, as well. You know, it kind of brought me to a place in my life where, you know, it, it's that it's that, um, you know, when, when you hit rock bottom, when you hit rock bottom and then you see you know, life isn't what you thought it is, then you have to, you know, uh, recalibrate yourself. And that recalibration took some time for myself. And, and it took me away from the sport because when I was in that state of mind, I wasn't present, you know, when I was competing. I like this. I like this introspective look. I appreciate you being candid and, and, you know, to speak on those injuries, November, 2013, you, you stopped Chael Sonnen I'm thinking, man, he's back. He's ready for another world title run. Unfortunately, then you miss almost two years to do due to injuries, and then you went on that losing skid. Uh, when was the moment you knew for sure? When was the moment you got up off the training mat at Hard Knocks three six five and basically were like, "Let me bang with somebody. Let somebody stand up and bang with me." Uh, you know, it, it was uh, it was probably a couple weeks ago, and um, it, it was I. It was when I, I left the gym. And I had a great training session and then I wasn't able to go back into the gym for the next couple of days. But the next couple of days where I wasn't in the gym, that's all I kept thinking about was what I was going to do next time I went back to the gym. And I haven't had that happen in years. I used to have that happen when I was a kid and I used to compete. I used to think about, OK, what am I going to do next time I go to the gym? And, and it was always about the gym. And then here I am. And I was thinking about what I'm going to do when, when I went back to the gym. And I was like, man, I'm really starting to, you know, uh, you know, daydream about fighting again and think about it a lot and think about training. So then uh, it just became easier for me and it just became something that I just wanted, you know, started gravitating towards again. And that's when I knew I'm like, you know what, let me just do a couple more fights just to see how I feel. And, you know, here I am. Here we are. So the news came out uh, that. You've parted ways amicably with with the UFC. So what does that actually mean, Rashad? Give us the insight. Break the news right here. Who are you looking at? Will you sign with a promotion? Will it be a one-off? What is your future going to be? Yeah, so uh with the UFC, you know, they uh they weren't really interested in, in my comeback and I don't and I don't uh I don't blame them for that or whatever. Uh but um you know, I, I want to uh, go out there and, and look at some other organizations, you know, uh, you know, I, you know, PFL, uh, Bellator, you know, 1FC and, uh, you know, whatever else organizations out there that, that I can add to, you know, because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. I want to add to our organization and, um, you know, and also it's like getting into a new organization will allow me to, you know, start new, start fresh and, and not you know, coming in as, you know, the old Rashad or trying to live up to my old standards, I'll be starting on a new slate, a new, a new beginning, you know, and that was something that I wanted to do because, um, UFC was great and and I appreciate everything UFC has done for me and it has made me, you know, who I am in a lot of areas, but, uh, I feel like I've grown enough to stand on my own and I feel like I've grown enough to be able to, you know, represent myself well in another organization. Firing me up here. Uh, 
Is this uh, a pause on your broadcasting career? How does that affect that? Uh, well, I'm still trying to figure that out, to be honest. You know, I know um, that, you know, as a, if I sign with another organization, I'm not going to be able to uh, work with the UFC and the ESPN. But, um, you know, whatever organization I, I do land with, then I would hopefully, you know, find something aligning with them on the broadcasting side. But when it's all said and done, you know, uh, hopefully I would like to be, you know, back with, with ESPN and doing that again or wh- wherever it leads me. Uh, I love broadcasting and it's something that's part of me as just much as fighting is. So as long as I can do it somewhere, I'll be good. Uh, true or false, you'll be watching Saturday's Bellator Machida Musasi rematch closely. This is me talking here. True or false? True, true. All right. True. I mean, that, that's one thing I like about Bellator. You know, it has a chance for me to uh, – you know, I mix up with some of these guys. You know, I would love to get a chance to fight uh, Machida again. Uh, you know, even even uh, even old Rampage. Rampage is big for me now, but you know that'd be a fun fight. You know, we can meet at a catch. Just, I just want to remind you, the first L you took on the losing streak that ended your UFC career was a man named Ryan Bader, and I know that you're not Ryan yeah. Bader. Guess what? I'm not Ryan Bader. My word. I'm not right. Ryan Bader. But he is their light heavyweight and heavyweight champion at the moment. Just a reminder of that, Rashad. If you want, yeah, if you got any true. more that's, receipts, you need to to put out there. That's right. That's right. Ryan Bader's over there too. So, yeah. I mean, they they have a lot of good matchups in, in Bellator, and um, you know, I I feel great, and that's and that's the exciting thing about it is that. You know, I'm I'm excited to compete, and I feel great. And you know, these organizations have a lot for me to, uh, you know, a lot of challenges for me. All right, we're fired up. We're, we're we'll look forward to going through this journey along with you. Final question on this comeback. Uh, me personally, I, how much of this is going out on your own terms, or how much of this is you're looking to sprinkle on? Maybe pick up a world title somewhere. Maybe get into a sort of dream matchup that maybe wouldn't have been there in the past. What's the, what's this sort of end game motivation here outside of just, I feel good. I want to do this again. It's, it's definitely, you know, I want to end things on my own terms. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, having the ups and downs in your career and being, uh, you know, being at the top, being at the bottom, it does something to your spirit. It does something to your spirit being at the bottom. It does something to you. And for me, it's done something to me, you know? So for me, it, it's made me just want to fight. It made me want to fight. It is, it's brought a, uh, you know, something inside of me that I can't quite explain in words. It's just a feeling. And I know it's just time to fight. Love it. Love it. Fired up. Appreciate you breaking it all down for us. Uh, we got a lo- big show to get into, of course. Looking back at a wild ending for UFC Mexico City and sort of the follow-up hotel drama that rolled off from that. We're, of course, going to look at the big news of DC announcing what his final fight would be if he had a choice. Also looking ahead to a loaded weekend with Bellator and UFC. And we'll do all that right after we hear a word from our friends and sponsors. Dig it. And we're back. BC. Rashad Evans, our boy Brandon Wise, off today, but he will be back in the future. Hopefully he's not sparring at hard knocks there. It could be some uh <laughs> could be some uh an ice pack in his future right there. Uh Rashad, we're reminding the listeners who love this show to spread the word. Get on out there. It's free audio. Share it with your friends. Five star review season. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to find audio. We will not only want your review, we want to hear from you. Look, every week we end up getting into the same debate. When will Connor come back against whom his coach, Kavanaugh, wants him to fight Frankie Edgar, a fight I've been talking about. Who do you guys want to see Connor McGregor fight most? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Tell us your opinion. We'll have that discussion in the future on the show. We want to hear from you. All right, Rashad. Uh, look, the biggest story I want to talk about without question is a little bit of business that went down on ESPN's Ariel Hawani's MMA show on Monday when Daniel Cormier did his first real official interview following the 241 loss to Steve Miocic to really address what's next. Will he come back? All that good stuff. I can't lie to you. I don't think I've ever been more fired up from just hearing an interview in a long time because DC says, I'm coming back. 
only for one fight. It's got to be Stipe. I've got to write that wrong. My wife wants me to do it. My family wants me to do it. I mean, you look at what is potentially at stake here, Rashad, and right away DC had said, look, I'll do it as soon as December 14th, that big UFC card in Las Vegas that they were hoping to get three title fights on. Since that happened, it news has broke that Stipe Miocic will miss the rest of this year with an eye injury that le- that goes back to the eye poke from DC in their rematch. So we're probably looking at this next year if so. How fired up would you get, though, for DC or D-Say, as you like to say, Stipe, Thray, knowing <laughs> what's friggin' at stake here. Rashad, it's not like DC's not already an all-time great. But real talk here, he wins back that heavyweight championship from Stipe, he can crown himself the GOAT, and he can take his resume to a whole nother level. Your reaction to this news? Absolutely. This is a fight. This is a matchup that gives both of these athletes their wings, meaning the fact that both of these guys, you know, depending on how this fight goes, either way, the winner of this fight, they walk away as being that guy, that guy on the pedestal. And and I and I think that for DC, you know, this I, I was so pumped up behind this news. You know what I'm saying? When I watched that interview and I watched him says no one else matters but Stipe fighting Stipe. That gave me chills because I felt that, you know what I'm saying? I felt those words and, and I understood, you know, with him saying that the passion and the pain, there's a lot of pain behind that too. And with that pain, you know, there was a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of, you know, uh, just just a lot of thought going into what he's going to do next time he gets a chance to fight Stipe. So, um, yes, yes, yes. Both of these guys definitely need to do this fight. And this is a legacy fight for both of these guys. I think I think for Stipe, you know, this would mean him finally getting the respect that he deserves as a heavyweight, providing he gets past DC. You know, and as DC, you know, this would be, you know, uh, I guess, you know, them. I guess it would be, in, in my point of view, him washing away everything that happened with the John Jones situation. You know, yes. that, that would just completely rinse that away come out of people's minds and say, you know what? He went out there and he did it with DC because he gave us something that we can remember. And he went out on the shield and, and the way that a fighter is supposed to go out. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I'm so excited about this fight. Uh, look, this is like suddenly escalated to a fight that would mean like so freaking much historically. So much because DC already said, quote, the next one will be my last one. So this is kind of all or nothing in that regard. But I don't want to throw extra hyperbole on here because before DC lost to Stipe, I was team DC Jones 3 saying, look, this will be the biggest fight in UFC history if it happens. I think some of that got diminished. I don't think we'll see that anymore. But now we suddenly have DC Stipe 3. And to me, Rashad, UFC heavyweight history-wise, the biggest fight this division will have ever seen. And I think you really have to go back potentially to like what? Uh, Fedor and Krokop and Pride to have a fight that would be this anticipated and mean this much. Look, DC got an incredible knockout in their first fight over Stipe, but Stipe wanted to prove that that was a little bit more a fluke. It was just a a bad technique moment. And now what we have is the storyline in the second fight where we thought DC just really fought a bad fight in terms of what his strengths are. And you obviously have to give Stipe credit for the way he rallied and gutted that out. But there's a specific quote here, Rashad, that DC gave Ariel that says, I'm going to fight this guy again, but my intention is to fight him in the right way. It has Mm. to be against Stipe. Nothing else. No one else matters. End quote. Now the hook there is that we know DC stopped listening to his corner in that rematch. We know that he got confident that he could take Stipe's best. So he stayed dangerously in the pocket. He stopped wrestling after round one. You got people like me making bombastic comments that Stipe didn't win that fight. DC lost it. You got other people saying, look, DC stopped wrestling after round one because he was gassed. All that comes together to mean that they both have one more chance to to, to win this rivalry, to make everything right. And if you're in DC's corner and if you're in DC's head, Rashad, what are you going to do strategy-wise in the third fight? What's the best way to beat this guy outside of the perfect punch like he had in that first fight? Yeah, I, I think that the, what he needs to do is just work the body at all costs. You know what I'm saying? I think that one thing that DC showed in that fight is that he has a weakness of the body. And I think if 
you know, Stipe starts going to that body earlier, then he doesn't have to make such a drastic effort in the third and fourth round to, you know, to, to, to win the fight. You know what I'm saying? If he starts start putting money in the bank early, whatever he can, then he knocks a little steam off of DC earlier. And then, you know, he doesn't have to fight for his life those third and fourth rounds to try to get a win. Um, and, and I think that's what he's going to go back to. You know, I, I think he's going to be like, oh, okay, that's how you get DC. You know, you got you to gotta get to his body. You know, and as far as DC, uh, he's just going to have to, you know, move, be, be more cautious, cautious on that torso and, and you know, make Stipe pay for every single punch that he throws. You know, by that I mean every single time Stipe throws a punch, you know, DC takes that away by putting that pressure on him and making him fight in the phone booth. And, and DC does that really, really well. When he had John Jones fighting in the phone booth, you know, he had Jones fighting for his life. Then Jones threw that kick out of nowhere. But if you remember that, you know, in that phone booth, DC is the beast. You know, uh, when he fought, um, who was that, uh, Gustinson in the phone booth, he busted Gustinson up in that phone booth. That's where DC needs to fight. In that phone booth range, he can then, tr- you know, uh, uses wrestling, uses strikes, and it all works out well. And he has a nice, short, powerful punches on the inside because he caught Stipe in that phone booth. And I think that's where DC needs to fight. So that's, that's DC that's returns to that, at. he gets the win. Yeah, DC in a phone booth there. That his infighting, his ability to kind of do some Randy Couture type type magic in there is, is really tough, really strong. That's where you see his physical strength coming in. Uh, if you're Stipe. And he's already shown, by the way, public interest in this. You have to take it, right? I mean, this is your – outside of John Jones moving up, this is your biggest yeah. payday. But this would really remove any doubt who the greatest heavyweight in UFC history is. I mean, everyone sort of hates when we are always going into that GOAT debate. But good God, a trilogy fight here between these two? It's got GOAT written all over it. Absolutely. Listen, Stipe, in my opinion, is the best heavyweight of all time. Like, like – I, I love DC and I love what DC has been able to do in the heavyweight division. But when it comes to, you know, someone who's been able to consistently put it down at the level that that, uh, you know, that DC is, you know, you got to go with Stipe. Stipe has been doing that. He he took out the the Francis Ngannou, who everyone thought no one is going to be. And, and uh, you know, he sustained that and he went into Francis, you know, strength and stood on his feet and took those shots. So, oh, yeah. you know, that didn't get him the, the respect that he should have deserved then. But. I think a, a rematch with DC and uh, a fight that, you know, win, lose, or draw, Stipe is going to fight like a dog. And I think anybody who is a fight fan is a fan of that. I mean, every big win Stipe has had, including the, uh, you know, the infamous uh, people think he tapped against Overeem joke fight, which wasn't a joke fight. He got rocked in that and dropped. Look, he's every big win, man. He's taken damage and fought through it. I, I mean, there were some hellacious blows that Ngannou hit him with in that in that first round. Man, this I mean, this fight screams to me, Rashad, w- w- without really getting too in the weeds on a prediction or a breakdown. It screams five rounds of violence. It screams that there will be so much at stake that this fight may retire them both because, like, there's no bigger okay. fight after this. They may use every ounce of their remaining it- powers to win this. Yeah, th- this is this is one of the fights that both of their power bars go down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, you only, you only get sold them out in your power bars, and and uh, and this this is one that takes some, you know, that takes a lot out of you because a fight of this magnitude is not just what's going to happen in the cage; it's everything that goes into it, emotionally speaking, leading up to the fight. You know, both of these guys felt the best. Both of these guys were in the cage with each other and they and they felt that moment like, oh my goodness i don't know what's going to happen and there's something that happens when you're in the cage fighting with somebody and you're exchanging punches and you're giving each other the best and there's moments of doubt and you make it through those moments of doubt and you you go through that feeling with your opponent you know there there is a a, a spiritual exchange and no matter what you you you're, you're connected to your opponent so a piece of you can feel him and you know what kind of heck that you're going to be in when you get in the cage with them again. Absolutely. And, you know, if you look at, again, what's at stake, the career resumes of both to this point, the star factor, you could argue if that fight, if that third fight ends up being a good one, which I don't see again how it couldn't, this could end up being the, you know, the most memorable trilogy we've ever seen in the UFC. And there's been some good trilogies in the UFC, but some of them have had certain one-sided stretches. I mean, you know, even you look at heavyweight, it's okay, JDS gets the, 
the Murat, you know, the, the surprise knockout in 2011 over Kane. Well, Kane goes on to destroy him over nine and a half rounds in their second and third fights. Uh, this, I mean, good God, this would be right up there with, uh, with the Edgar Maynard business with the Liddell Couture. I mean, this, 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 and w- when you count what's at stake, I think it's top, you know, GSP and Matt Hughes. I think it's so damn That's- competitive. I mean, g- give me one I'm forgetting that would jump this. No, nah, there, there, there really isn't. I mean, I guess the one that would jump this would be the DC and Jones fight, right? Yes. yes. And, 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 but now you, I think this surpasses that because it just has so much authentic. Like, I, I can't say that that wasn't authentic, but this is authentic in a different way. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's not about, you know, these guys don't like each other. These guys respect each other, but it's just about being the best athlete. You know what I'm saying? It's just about being the best athlete. No trash talking. It's just like, you know what? Yeah, I'm the better athlete. I'm going to show you. And and that's what makes this fight to me better than than the Jones and DC fight. And and here's another reason why it makes it better to me because I think the fight game just isn't right unless you have a big heavyweight fight that is, you know what I'm saying, on the loom. I yes. think that's something that the UFC has been missing in, in their careers, you know, that that heavyweight presence, but I think this kind of like hey we we got some heavyweights and we got some heavyweights that can that can lead the show have you ever you've never had a trilogy have you had a rematch in your pro career uh tito ortiz yes that would be the only one i don't think we need to see a third one there but hey if you want to do the business that's on you okay (laughs) i know he's big getting ready to fight alberto del rio the uh the uh, ex-WWE wrestler for yeah. Combate. Hey, if the money talks, by the way, all right? If the money talks. I mean, Rashad, to be honest here, when you're at this point in your career where you've made some money, you got a TV yeah. career going, the idea of, like, one more stupid big paycheck, it does kind of go, oh, maybe I can get that boat, you know? Or maybe I yeah. can, maybe I can get that, that waterfront home that we can pay off right now and I can just live there fat forever. I mean, does that go into your mind when you're when you're looking Absolutely. at options? Absolutely. And, and especially when, when you've done it so long and, and you and you know how to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I can I can fight with my eyes closed. You know what I'm saying? It's just because I I, I do. I've done it for so long. So, um, you know, when you get to a certain level, it's just can you mentally get yourself into the cage? That's all it is. I'm telling you, can you mentally get yourself into the cage and throw some punches? Because Something happens when when the longer you're out of the cage, when you're out of the cage for a while, you really start to think about like, wow, this is pretty da- <laughs> this is pretty dangerous. You know what I'm saying? I can get hurt doing this, you know. But when you're not thinking about that, it just it, it just kind of flows, and, uh, and 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 you know you're able to compete at a different level. But you know when you start to think about like, man, this is this is pretty different. You know, this is not normal. Then you fight like it's not normal. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Wow, this is getting me fired up for big fight talk. Uh, other recent fight announcements that kind of pop in us. We did talk about that UFC 245 card being planned for, I believe, December 14th. Las Vegas, instead of the typical New Year's Eve card under the new ESPN deal with a competition of college football bowls and all that, we're going to see that fight card a little bit earlier. We already knew it would be Amanda Nunes and Jermaine Durandamy in a Bantamweight title rematch. Now... We got Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky for the UFC featherweight title with rumors of a possible third title bout. Rashad, how much is Max and Vulcan? No, 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 not not, not the Vulcan who knocks out guys in the Fort Lauderdale <laughs> bars. Now, I got no time for that guy. Volkanovsky, how much does this fight fire you? It fires me up big time. You know, uh, Max Holloway, you know, he, he's, he went back to 145 and he looked great his last fight. So I want to see... You know, now that he he's back there and he knows that okay, I got my my wildness out. I went up and I challenged, but now this is my home. You know what I'm saying? I want to see how he he goes in there and, and tries to uh, you know show his true mastery against someone and, and Alexander Volkanovsky, who, who is one of the toughest guys in the weight class. This guy right here kind of went under the radars for for a while, oh, yeah. just because you know uh, for whatever reason, but. Um, Watching him fight is a true treat because th- this guy is super technical and and he mix is a few skill sets that that you don't really see in a 145 weight class. You know he has great crisp technique, but more importantly, he he has a lot of power and and deceptive power too. That that I think could give somebody some you know like Max some problems if he gets inside and land that 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 those shots because you know he's he's a strong strong guy. 
I love this fight. I love the potential. Volkanovski, I think, is underrated by a lot of people. It took me a little while to come around. Our boy Brandon Wise always talking up this guy from so long and far away, and he's finally here at the top of his game, gets his title shot. Uh, still rumors of a third title bout to be added. Might be, might not be. I mean, look, if a third one gets added, Rashad, uh, this, this card's going to be massive. It's going to be a monster one. I think it should be. Can we make... Um, can we make Kamaru Usman Colby Covington already? I mean, there's there's still a lot of drama going on with Colby's negotiating and leverage and all this stuff. There's some people saying, well, hey, what if what if Masvidal takes care of Nate in some kind of quick and surprising fashion? Could he get catapulted into a into an Usman title fight? Heck, could Nate Diaz if he wins get get shot right into there? A lot to think about here, but uh, you think we'll end up seeing a third fight, title fight here? Um. I I think so. Well, I don't know to be honest. If if it's coming from the 170 division, I don't I don't know to be honest. Just because of the fact that there there is a lot to uh to to work out on, on many different aspects, and um, you know there uh, Colby isn't isn't really playing ball. You know what I'm saying as far as you know uh working working with the UFC. So it, it, it I can definitely see you know, them getting leapfrogged over or him getting leapfrogged over for somebody like a Nate Diaz or or, or uh, Jorge Masvidal. And these guys are fan favorites. These guys are 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 um, out there and the fans are getting behind these guys. So they, these are the guys who the UFC likes to push. These are the guys who the UFC, you know, wants to have, you know, because they know that the, the heavy lift, they don't have to do that much heavy lifting. You know what I'm saying? These guys are going to bring it in, in more ways than one. They're going to bring it on, you know, a promotional side, but they're also going to bring it once they get inside the octagon too. So, you know, these are the guys who the UFC definitely want to put out there. And I can definitely see them, you know, jumping and, and getting over a guy like Colby Covington. Yeah, I, I'm certainly would have to assume Henry Cejudo, if he comes, if he can turn it back around and get healthy quick, that uh, maybe a Joseph Benavidez fight for a flyweight title could be in the talk for that card. It'll be interesting to see if they add a third one, maybe even just bring back John Jones again. I mean, he's been pretty damn active this year. But, uh, you know, I thought it would be against Jan Blawicic, but now he's been announced to be fighting uh, uh, Jacare, who's moving up. And we know Dom Reyes has a fight coming up against Weidman in Boston. And suddenly you look down that division, you go, oh, what are, you, what are they going to do? I mean, unless we get a fast track of a Johnny Walker, maybe we don't see that either. So a lot of decisions to be made by the UFC in the near future for that. Uh, other quick fight announcement that pops me massive, Rashad, is that final card of the year for UFC December 21st in South Korea. Damn, Brian Ortega and the Korean Zombie. Where, like, where, can where, can I get on a plane right now? Where do I find a thirteen <laughs> combined post-fight bonuses between these two? But this is a real important ass fight in terms of who may be next in line for another title shot. Absolutely, this fight's going to be pure violence. You know, uh, Brian Ortega is one of my favorite guys in, in the UFC, just because I mean he's phenomenal on the ground. But more importantly, I love. Brian Ortega's mindset. He has such a great mindset. This dude is cool, calm, and collected. He doesn't get bothered by anything in the cage, outside the cage. He just keeps on blinking those pretty blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing seems to get to him. And, you know, his, his stand-up has grown exponentially. And I think that right there is that, I guess, that that aspect that gives him the advantage over someone like Korean Zombie, you know, who is definitely a game opponent, who goes out there and goes out on the shield – but when it comes to just overall skill set in this matchup, you know, I, I love Brian Ortega because he has that ground aspect. You know what I'm saying? I do think Korean Zombie can hang with him and bang with him on the feet and try him and and maybe even test him. But at the end of the day, Brian Ortega has that that long range with those strikes and with that clutch grappling. And then with the dog inside of him, which not oh. everyone knew about until that Holloway fight. You know, like you'd heard the stories growing up in South Central L.A. And he said, you know, and he's got a tough road to get here. But there were times when we were like, this submission expert, Brian Ortega, what will happen if he stands up with somebody? Was that Frankie Edgar knockout a, you know, a, a sort of surprise? But no, like you saw him against Max. I know he lost that fight, but dude, I mean, Iron Will hanging yeah. and banging i mean if he can get by uh chan sung jung here you'd have to think it's a fast track for a rematch against max holloway and for me i i felt rashad all credit to max he gutted that fight out and he won it and he and he basically took apart brian's face but i felt like ortega had figured something out in terms of the x's and o's in that matchup and there were moments that he landed bombs that i was like 
Is Max in trouble here? Is he one punch away from being in trouble? Now, again, credit to him. This is why he's starting to show you he's an all-time great, that he was able to get through that fight. But I think if Brian Ortega can make some adjustments, knowing his toughness now, knowing how well-rounded his game's getting, that rematch could be damn good theater. Absolutely. And I think that was a fight that we've seen Brian Ortega get born as a fighter. because, And I say that because it's you, you really see a fighter come into their own when they get busted up and they're getting beat up and they get up off that stool and they keep on coming forward. That's how you know you got yourself. Oh, that guy. You're that guy, huh? You're that guy who's going to keep on getting in my face and going to keep on taking this abuse just because that's the guy that you are. you know. And it's good to see that Brian Ortega is that guy. And he knows he's that guy. So now that he knows he's that guy and he was that guy against somebody as talented as Max Holloway, I don't think anybody in the rest of the division stands a chance. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Wow, fun stuff. Uh, tough news for Aljamain Sterling, who put out an Instagram post saying he's got wrist surgery. In that post, he revealed that, you know, he's obviously not coming back this year, and they were in talks for a Frankie Edgar fight. So that sort of shows you, I guess, if you connect the dots to Connor, that UFC wasn't currently entertaining a Connor Edgar fight at the moment. We expect Connor McGregor to come back early next year in a big one per Dana. Tough news for Aljamain there, but, uh, yeah, man. Uh, every day, every dude, wild and wacky lately. I feel like every every other day there's some there's some kind of big time news that's been in your head, and this, I, yeah. What you I just like I seen Al Jermaine just talking champ talking trash to uh, Triple C on IG the other day. They were getting into it. I thought Al Jermaine was about to fight soon. I didn't no, know he was hurt. Getting me fired up there. I saw the same thing. Uh, we got to talk about what went down this past weekend when UFC went to Mexico City. And Rashad, we talked last week how fired up we were. We certainly know that Mexico City crowd was to see Jeremy Stevens, Yair Rodriguez, a matchup that screamed violence, potential, you know, back and forth affair. We only saw 15 seconds of it in the end. Eye scratch, unfortunate. Jeremy Stevens got scratched in both eyes. Herb Dean, the referee, gave him every possible chance to continue. And then this is where it got interesting. You got people instantly online going, Jeremy Stevens is is trying to work his way out of this fight. He's not opening his eyes on purpose. And then when the fight was called off, it was hell in there. There, stuff being thrown from all angles. You had Brendan Fitzgerald, the play-by-play guy, ducking for cover under the desk. You had Michael <laughs> Bisping on color getting hit in the head. You had uh, Yair Rodriguez having like a meltdown in the center of the cage, which certainly brought the crowd to another level of wackiness with our boy Bisping, by the way, like like big bro, big bro in him, sunning him right down. Rashad, uh, from, from an outside point of view here, looking in on this craziness, uh, who's to blame? How unfortunate is this? Is this just what happens in other countries, or should we stay away from Mexico City for a while? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it was a combination of just a perfect storm. You know what I'm saying? And I say that because I was speaking to some people who were there, and they were like, you know what? You can just kind of feel like something was going to happen. And they said it was that feeling once you've seen a bunch of the uh, few of the Mexican fighters. They had a couple questionable decisions. Yeah, Alexa Grasso in that co-main, when she lost that decision to Carla Esparza, you heard yeah. like crazy, angry craziness coming out of the crowd. Yeah, that, that's when that's when it was kind of starting to, to, to come to a head. And um, that eye poke just kind of sent everything into that direction where it just kind of, you know, birthed the unruly fans because they felt like their athletes weren't being treated fairly. And, you know, with, with, with their culture and everything like that, you know, there, there's so much pride. And, and that Mexican culture. And at the end of the day, they're like, yeah, you guys want to cheat us? We'll, we'll show you. <laughs> so, I, but you know, it's, it's, it, we, we go back to the eye poke thing and we go back to, you know, the, the gloves with the UFC, you know, the, the gloves and, you know, is, what is the remedy here? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I mean, you we're, know, not, we're not putting goggles on the fighters moving forward, so we're not going to, you know, that's that. I don't know what else you can do with the glove. I mean, all these people are like, well, if you take the half-bent pride gloves, that'll, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I need to see fighters stop, Rashad, and tell me, you know, oh. how, how much this shows up in fights. Stop putting their hand out to deflect punches with their fingers spread, because essentially Yair, you know, slapped at a strike he thought was coming and caught Stevens in both eyes. So it seems like there's a level it, of sort of recklessness there, like, like... I don't know. Is it? Can you train I'm that a, away? I'm going to be honest. There, there really is no way to train so you're not going to do that because at the end of the day, it's a defect with the gloves themselves because the gloves themselves, they're like pancakes before you get them. When, you, when, we, get the pan, when we get those gloves before the fight, 
They're like pancakes and they're super flat. Then that day when we get them, we bend them up and then we put when then we put them back in the package. So then we get them back on fight day bent up. So that way they had a few days to kind of get a kind of a curve to them. But that does not do enough to keep a natural curve in the hand because then you have the wraps underneath. So then now you, you, you're having the wraps underneath and now you have this glove that's like a pancake. So it's naturally flexing your hands in a straight position. And that's where the problem comes because when you're fighting, uh, when, when, when you're the, the, the wrap and keeping your hands closed, it's such an effort to make a fist, your hands get fatigued. So it, it's really hard to keep your hands closed the whole time. And, and that's why we're getting the eye pokes that we're getting. Um, Onyx, the glove co- company that I'm working with, with Trevor Whitman, uh, we, we're actually in the process uh, we we made a new glove. We made a new glove. Yeah, we made a new glove. And, uh, you know, the glove that we made, it, it can definitely, you know, I can't say fully prevent this problem, but I guarantee it would reduce it like dr- like so much. Are exposed so, fingers the problem? I mean, if somebody were a cover, if, if a glove had a thinner covering over your fingers, would that change anything or would that F up the wrestling and jujitsu side of it? It f up, yeah. It it messed that up. But it, it's it's all on just the angle of of the glove itself when it's when it's being made and the shape of it, you know. And and that Onyx Trevor Whitman has done a really good job of of making this. And if we we ever get the situation done with the UFC, then you guys will see the glove that we we've made that um that will come and, and replace the glove that we have right now. And it's such a um it, it's a better glove. It's a better glove all day. But we're we're in the last process of it, just you know trying to make that that deal work out. Wow. Okay. So that that uh, you could see room for some kind of change to make that that avoidance. Unfortunately, we saw the follow up online and even you know from the reaction of the crowd of of this assumption in some ways that Jeremy Stevens, who's the toughest mofo, good God, and probably all of UFC would ever bow out after 15 seconds and not continue fighting when it seemed very obvious the guy couldn't even physically open his eye. And then you talk about reports that he spent 30k on training camp that he came down to Mexico extra, extra early away from his family to put in that elevation training. I mean, Rashad, uh, as a fighter, does that just piss you off? I mean, it's one thing on a Todd Duffy situation a couple weeks ago where <laughs> where I posted it. Well, look, the guy's winning the fight. It looked like to me he could continue. But when a guy literally can't open his eye, it's like, come on. Yeah, you you, you got to. And, and that's the thing about it. And, and it's kind of unfortunate because, you know, the, the, you don't really understand what an eye poke is in a fight, and especially with those gloves, and until that happens to you, until that happens, and you're like, oh my goodness, those, those eye pokes are, are pretty, are pretty severe when they happen. You know, so they're, they're debilitating. They're actually debilitating. Um, so, I, I definitely understand it, but from the outside looking in, it, it doesn't look like what it, what it does. You know, it doesn't look like what it feels like for some of these fighters, and. Um, with Jeremy Stevenson spending 30k on camp, going out your way, sacrificing time for your family and the people that you love in your normal routine, that's not something that you're going to 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 give up easy just because you got poked in the eye. If, if he could have fought and could have blinked it away, you know, then then you could have kept going. But every single fight that I've ever fought, I've always got hit inside of my eye in some kind of way, and my vision was always compromised at some point in the fight. But it always comes back. If he was blinking his eye and it wasn't coming back, then I understand why he, he he stopped it. Yeah, I mean, when it's that early, it's not like he's trying to protect a scorecard or get out of a fight he's losing or try to win it cheaply because, you know, they're deeper into the fight. I mean, that that's all nonsense. But un- but unfortunately, really, that became almost a subplot because you had the fans throwing crap. You had Yair Rodriguez's reaction in the cage, which I get the – let me word this right. I could understand, Rashad, the passion, right, to train for a fight himself, to be headlining in his own country, to be coming off a stretch for him that hasn't been the best, had the loss to Edgar, barely pulls out that win against uh, Korean Zombie, misses 10 months, finally back, and then you don't get to compete. But the way he reacted in the cage, swearing off Bisping and kind of just flipping out, I have to believe that played into the crowd's reaction. Then you see just disgraceful, shameless nature of like people actually trying to attack Jeremy Stevens as he's exiting and just getting flooded. It looks like the palace brawl with the Pistons and Pacers in 2004. All that's crap. 
And then suddenly that's not even the biggest headline, Rashad, because this escalates to the hotel the next day when video picks up the two of them talking. Steven says he thought uh, Yair was going to come up and kind of apologize and smooth it over. Yair basically intimates that Steven's quit and that he'll never live this down. Jeremy Stevens gives him a big old shove. And now I feel like we got even more fuel of the fire to want a rematch between these two. And look, I'm all for that. But do you are you turned off at all by Yair Rodriguez's complete overall reaction from inside the cage to the hotel lobby that it seemed like he's instigating all of this? Yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't think that was a good move by Yair because here, here's the reality of the situation. He's got his eye poked before. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he knows he knows the game. He knows the game. And, and as knowing the game, you know a guy like Jeremy Stevens. There's not a quit in Jeremy Stevens. I have never seen Jeremy Stevens quit a fight. I've seen fights where Jeremy Stevens and I'm like, yo, Jeremy should quit. But he didn't quit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so there's no quit in this guy. He just does not stop. So when, you ha- when you're facing an opponent that has that kind of reputation, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to be like, yeah, this guy quit on me. I think that Yair – could have could have helped the situation if he would have been like, yeah, you know what, guys, things happen. Uh, I apologize. I apologize to all everybody. We we're going to run this back. You know, whatever he could say to soften it up because no one wanted that result. No one wanted that result, and especially someone who spent thirty k on his camp. Whew. How much is is that normal? Is that a normal price or is oh, that next level? I mean, no, I mean that, that I mean that, that that's a pretty expensive camp because you know that means that he was um. You know, plan for paying for a place to stay and everything like that. You know, typically speaking, you know, what you would spend on the camp is maybe like maybe half that if you want to do it really good. You know, if you're at home and you don't have to spend money on a place to, you know, uh, to stay or anything like that, because you're going to spend that kind of money on like recovery, nutrition and everything else, everything else like that. But um, that 30K has to be just because he was paying for his trainers to be out there and everything out there. He had to pick up and move his whole life out to, you know, Mexico City. And Mexico City is not an easy place to live because I lived there for a couple or I stayed there when I was going to fight Sam uh Sam Alvey in, in that in that terrible fight. <laughs> that terrible fight that I had. Um that terrible fight that I had, I I stayed there for like 3 weeks and in Mexico City it, it's it, it's different, you know, because the food is different, you know, the culture is different. Uh, it's a beautiful city, beautiful people, but it, it's just different. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So hopefully we get that fight back. It, it screams all action. Now you have even more reason to want to see it, the dislike between them. Uh, let's talk just briefly about what stood out on that card. Rashad, this turned out to be a sneaky, fun, good card. You had Steven Ocho Peterson with a highlight reel backfist KO of Martin Bravo, and the fact that he was countering a spinning backfist with one of his own was big. Uh, I was so damn entertained by that Brandon Moreno Askar Askarov flyweight bout that ended up being a split draw. Three rounds of fury countering each other, switching positions on the ground. Um, as much as I want to talk about how fun that fight was, we almost don't get fights like this because it seemed like the flyweight division was going away just a couple months ago. I mean, did, did Cejudo kind of save it for people like Brandon Moreno? I think so. I, I think he really did. I think he he really showed that, you know, the, the 125 weight class is, is the one of the most unestimated weight class. And the biggest reason why it was so underestimated because no one thought they had the power and people weren't respecting it. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and they weren't getting the finishes, those knockouts that just captivates people. But when Henry Cejudo went out there and demolished TJ Dillashaw with the knockout, he showed that, hey, the 125 pounders, they can crack. And then he went and repeated that performance against a great fighter in Marlon Marais. Then I'm like, yo, these guys can definitely crack. So, And then you see the Joseph Benavides. Joseph Benavides came, and he's evolving as a fighter, and he looks like he can crack, and he has power. You know, Absolutely. so it, it's these 125-pounders, they're fighting different. They're fighting like they have something to fight for. They're fighting like they've been disrespected, and all of them has taken note, and they all are taking, taking that script, and they're fighting like dogs. Shout out to the women's strawweight division, which delivered yet again with that Carla Esparza, Alexa Grasso fight, despite the, the somewhat disputed majority decision. You got to give Esparza credit for oh, having her arm, arm bent back yeah. absurdly, Rashad. I mean, what uh, shades of Misha Tate in the first Rousey fight? What the heck does that feel like? I, you know what? That that has to feel like a dead arm for like the rest of the round. I I, I couldn't even imagine that. But you know that that's that's the thing that. 
when, when you look at women's MMA and you look at men's <laughs> MMA, there's things in women's in MMA that, that would never be in men's MMA. And this is one of them. You know what I'm saying? This is like one of the great things that women can do that men just can't do. We're not going to have that kind of flexibility that's going to have our arm basically get rubber band snapped and then magically come back together for an escape that or just the pain doesn't tolerance happen. like we got to give we got to give the ladies credit like pain tolerance wise it's, it's, it's pain insane tolerance is insane they got a pain tolerance that's just ridiculous yeah i i do not have a good pain tolerance and i've just seen my wife go through like <laughs> medical procedures i'm just like wow wow and uh yep. shout out to them shout out to betch correa hey look we can make jokes but that's a big win against sajara eubanks i'm not really sure she deserved it but we got to see the wild dancing afterwards just the same she's back she's back rashad it, it's really good to see her back it's really good to see her back and um you know i i kind of i kind of wish that uh, you know, I, I like Sajara and I, and I just kind of feel like she's just missing that just, just, I mean, she's, she's so close to, to see, I, I, I get it like this. Like every fighter has their mastery of flow. And then when they get into their mastery of flow, that's when you see great things and consistent performances come out of those athletes. But with, with, with Sajara, you just see her so close to the cusp of just finding that rhythm, finding that consistency and uh, she just haven't found it yet. But what a great performance, I bet. You know, she came back and, and, and uh, you know, she, she, she's, she, she's fought. She showed that she belonged. And that Betch, was a very important Betch, fight for on her. On this show, Betch, we love you. See you soon back in the cage there at Bantamweight. By the way, like being honest, that Bantam, those Bantamweight rankings are so barren right now. Betch could F around and get probably one more win and be back in the title mix as crazy as that sounds there. But uh, that is the truth. All right, uh, Rashad, big weekend ahead. Let's kind of tiptoe around it here. Uh, UFC fight night in Copenhagen, Denmark this weekend. And it's a middleweight bout atop the card that, that sort of has some form of long-term title indications when you consider the hot streak Jack Hermanson is on against the very tough Jared Cannonier. What should we be looking for in this matchup? Boy, both of these guys. Oh, man. Hermanson is, is one of those athletes. He's just he, – he's a physical specimen to me. And, and by that, you know, he's, he's got this body and, and he's got this, uh, this, this sneaky good technique. He's sneaky good everywhere. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's sneaky good. And, and, and that's what Jacare figured out, you know. And, and a guy who's sneaky good like this, he's a very hard guy to beat because he has a durability with him too, and he has this longness in his range that makes. I hate fighting guys like him, Jack Hermanson. I hate fighting guys like him. He's a nightmare. But then you got Jared Cannonier. This guy is all power. You know, he, he's power and, and, and Cannonier. You know, he, he's got a lot of dog in him too. A lot he of does. dog in him. And this dude can fight, and he comes to fight. So with this matchup, it, it's, it's, I, this is going to be a fight of the night because both of these guys are fighting to be that guy. Both of these guys are fighting to be in the conversation when you're talking about top middleweight guys. And Hermanson uh, from Sweden, so he's fighting relatively close to home here. He's 7-2 and two since his 2016 UFC debut, but it's that four-fight win streak that's really opened up eyes. The consecutive win submitting David Branch and then getting the decision over Jacare that you'd have to think he's got a a shorter path to title contention with a win here. But look, this is a close-up opportunity. This is a main event here. This is going to be interesting. Uh, hey, tough news for David Branch, by the way, getting the uh, two-year ban for PEDs. And considering the advanced age, uh, I don't know if we'll see him again. UFC instantly dropping him, 37 years old, former two-division champion in World Series of Fighting. Uh, hate to see that. I liked him as a fighter. Not that he's dead, Rashad, but uh, that, that's a tough headline, all right? Yeah, it definitely is. Definitely. He's a good guy. He really is. Uh, and I think him, yeah, Gilbert we, Burns jumping in with Gunnar Nelson. I, I like say, that. What's short jumping notice, out to short you? notice one. I like that fight. Uh, I like Khalil Roundtree Jr. getting on this card. He brings the action as well against, uh, how do you pronounce that there? Uh, Kutalaba? Is that how we're going with it? Yeah, Kutalaba. Uh, we got OSP on this card. We got, well, look, Nick Dalby and, and Cowboy Oliveira uh, has potential as well. Um, certainly some fights to look at. Um, how buried is that fight on the preliminary card, Rashad, that might be the fight of the night, Lando, Venata, and Mark Diacasey. Come on, fire me up for oh, that. Gosh, listen. First of all, Lando is, is one of my favorite fighters in the UFC. This guy is pure excitement. Lando throws everything in the kitchen sink from every single angle. 
and he has fun when he's in the cage. And, and Jacasey, you know, he's he he he's a showman. He comes out there to put on a show, and he goes out there to compete against his fighter, meaning he's going to get in his face, he's going to talk to him, he's going to lure him into the game and, and make it a fun game. So this is going to be one of those fights where you're going to see a lot of arms raised. I'm like, yeah, what's up now? You know what I'm saying? They're going to they're gonna be talking trash in this fight. It's going to be one of those kind of battles. Absolutely. Uh, with respect to the guys at UFC Copenhagen, I'm actually a little bit more excited combined with what Bellator has given us this weekend. And the bigger card is Saturday, but I but let's not sleep on what they're doing Friday. They're doing one of those weird things where you can watch Bellator 227 on Friday from Dublin on the Paramount Network and on DAZN. And then there is a three fight main card being called D- Bellator Dublin that I don't think you can watch live, but that card will have James Gallagher's comeback against a late opponent switch. Michael Venom Page's comeback after that KO loss there to Lima in the welterweight tournament. But the main Bellator 227 bout is Benson Henderson against Miles Jury. Interesting lightweight bout. Don't hate it. But Rashad, Saturday is it. 228, Forum, Inglewood, on to zone exclusively. And uh, I don't know what's the bigger headline here. I'm into I'm I'm coming for the Machida Musasi rematch because I like what it will do for me. I like what it might do for you, by the way. That's just me talking. <laughs> but uh even separate from that, we get the second half of this sixteen man featherweight tournament bracket that has us so fired up. And on that same card, we get sort of an NBA draft lottery thing that we talked about last week that they're gonna do pull the ping pong balls, let the fighters pick where they're going to fight, potentially against whom. So when you look up and down this matchup, I'm not going to lie to you. Patricio Pitbull Friere defending his title against Juan Archuleta in his 20 fight, 21 fight win streak. This, If you told me this was going to be the tournament final, I'd be fired up. We get this in the first round. Good God. Yeah, this this is an amazing card. And I love the way that Bellator puts these together. But this gay guy, Musasi, and Loyola Machida, Machida match, this is this is a good fight. And, and, and I like this fight because you know, these guys are veterans, but they're not old guys. You know what I'm saying? Like these these guys still got a lot of tread on their tires and, and they still, you know, now they're at a, a different level of mastery in their game. And it's an, interesting to see them compete against each other because both of these guys are masters. You know, Gegar Musasi is, is a beast and, and Leonardo Machida, he seems to have gotten better uh, even with his old age because – now you don't see him making the mistakes that he made once in the past before, you know, when, when he's backing out on the exit, on the defensive, you know, and he's not getting caught with those punches. You know, he's doing a really good job of being smart defensively speaking. And, and um, you know, that, that that shows a lot of growth. So uh, and, and Saul Rogers training out of uh, out of 365, you know, he's yes. on the car, too, against, against uh, who is it, Daniel, Daniel Welsh. And, and that's going to be a great fight as well, too. So. This card it, uh, on Saturday, it, it it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. So Machida almost comes into this bout, and it's crazy to say it at forty one as arguably not the fresher fighter, but I almost kind of like him still in this. I know Musasi's only thirty four. He's yes, he lost his Bellator middleweight title by majority decision to Lovato back in June, and that snapped a, an eight eight fight win streak where he was one of the more underrated fighters in the world. But Machida's put four wins together. Going back over the last year and a half, uh, he still looks like he has it, Rashad. This fight, I think, is a lot more 50-50, at least in my mind. Like, of course, if you got to favor somebody, it'd be hard not to favor Musasi. But, I mean, we know that Machida beat him the first time. You got to go You gotta go back a while, though. You got to go back to, uh, yeah. when did they fight? That was, uh, that was a couple generations ago. Back in 2014, it was a unanimous decision win for, for Machida, but... Um, who do you like in the end in this one? And who do you want to win? Well, you know, I, I think that uh, with Gegard, you know, he's going to have to make this a grinding fight with a guy like Machida. You know what I'm saying? And and that's a fight that Machida always – and he's always going to have a problem fighting that fight because his facility he, – he's not from that kind of school, his background. You know what I'm saying? And when you're not from that kind of background where you're used to just grinding and, and that, gr- that wrestling grinding pace or that pace, you're, you're not going to get that. So I like Musasi to to bring that pressure to to uh, Machida, and and I think that because he's going to be able to bring that pressure to Machida, I think he's going to be able to get the fight. It's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, we once heard this. Welcome 
to the Machida era. Uh, hey, Leota, welcome to the Rashad 2.0 era. Okay, but look, tough, definitely a tough matchup for Musasi, who's he's looked up and down with Bellator. I mean, I thought he got I thought he got a gift decision against Slamenko when he hurt his eye in that first fight. Of course, looked great knocking out Carvalho, stops Rory in that super fight. But he's got some things to prove in this one coming off of the title defeat. Love that fight. And in terms of these featherweight matchups, you also have A.J. McKee in there against Georgie Karkanian. You got Darian Caldwell, Henry Corrales with business Caldwell moving up in weight. This is a great ass fight. Oh, yeah. Give it to me. I mean, does does Pitbull get out of this against Archuleta? This fight's going to bang. I, you, I think I think I think so. I think so. I think so. I mean, Patricia Pitbull is so tough, man. He he is so tough, and and uh, you know it seems to be that he's he's gotten more confident and he's getting more. And and listen, the confidence that you get from from being in a position like the Pitbull, being a champion, you know, it 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 adds to your skill level because now you know inside the pocket, like yeah, you know what, I'm the champ. I'm gonna stay in here and I'm a bang. You know, you have a different kind of confidence when when you're walking into the cage. So. Uh, you know, and, and, and Pitbull has had that, and he's getting more and more confident. So I love this fight, and I think he's going to get the win. Shout out to Bellator giving us back-to-back cards this weekend. Uh, this weekend, though, Rashad, if you're talking about what's the biggest fight, what's the biggest storyline, you got to go over to boxing. We have a welterweight title unification bout. Unbeaten Errol Spence Jr., Sean Porter, Fox pay-per-view, winner We'll hold two of the four welterweight titles. We'll have a shot at maybe luring Manny Pacquiao in the future. Of course, we know Terrence Crawford is out there across the street. I'll be there in L.A. for that Fox pay-per-view. We have interviews with Spence and Porter on the boxing podcast this week with State of Combat that you're not going to want to miss. Rashad, I know you get down with this oh, level of, of, of boxeo here. Who do you like in this fight and why? Well... <sighs> Oh man, this this is a good fight. You know, I've been watching the trash talk between the two of them, and Errol Spence has been—he's been kind of burying, he's been kind of hurting Sean Porter a little bit. You know, he's been saying some stuff. You're and, a dirty fighter. Sean, you ain't nothing yeah. but a brawler. All this stuff. <laughs> oh he's he's been he's been getting them, and, and I think that um, although I do like the way Sean Porter ha- has reacted, he doesn't seem to be getting too too flustered. But at the end of the day, you gotta like the confidence that Errol Spence is coming into the to coming into the uh, the ring with, you know. And and when it comes to skill, I think that Errol Spence is the better fighter, but but Porter is 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 a dog in this fight. And I think that Errol Spence will will, will be, uh, you know, if he if he's if he's thinking that that Sean Porter is not gonna come with that dog that that, that he comes with, then then he's in for a, a long night because. I think he said some things to Sean Porter that has it's made him, you know, bring that dog out. Yes. So I think that Porter has no choice but to fight like a deranged lunatic on Saturday. He's one of the rare elite guys with top level speed and athleticism who can choose to fight that crazy method and lead with his forearms and head and just maul you and be effective with it. And anyone and look, Spence is a rightful favorite. I don't understand the the uh, the betting. I mean, I, it's not that I don't understand the betting odds, but Spence is a minus nine hundred favorite, Rashad. And I know wow. that 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 tells you okay, the the smart people know that Spence is for real. And by the way, he is. But good God, Porter went in there against Keith Thurman. And did that bulldozing style and almost won a split decision. I mean, it was a amazing close fight. You, you can't tell and me that Porter's not going to be competitive in this fight. And, and, that, and that's the thing. Like, when, when you're taking somebody who's a pure technician, who's got that, that beautiful style like Errol Spence, he just got this such a beautiful, accurate, you know, net, like he, he, he fights just so beautifully. But then you, you have somebody like Sean, Sean Porter who, who's got that style that's going to, to bring out the fight in you. You know what I'm saying? He's, gonna, he's going to. He's going to put you – he's going to make the referee stay active. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's going to frustrate you. He's going to do things that, that makes it a fight. Not a, not a boxing match, but a fight. See, in a boxing match, Errol Spence kills him. But in a fight, oh, now we have something different. <laughs> now we have something different. See, if Sean Porter can make this a fight, oh, boy. Vegas may get upset. It should be good stuff, man. I mean, look, the heavyweight division's been so hit or miss for 20 years, but, man, these big-time welterweight pay-per-view fights from Trinidad and De La Hoya through Manny and Floyd era, uh, they have you know been the backbone of this sport, so I'm fired up to be there as well. Fired up for the Rashad Evans comeback, so stay tuned to the State of Combat podcast each week to hear more. Follow 
the Sugar Man at Sugar Rashad Evans on Twitter at B Campbell CBS. Follow this show at State of Combat. Our boy Brandon Wise will be back next week. Shout out to Mikey Mormile for producing. As always, Rashad, you got any messages? You got any warnings for people? You got any call outs? What do you got? <laughs> no call-outs, no call-outs. Just follow me on the gram. I'm gonna be posting more of uh, my 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 uh my routine as far as you know as i plan for you know getting back in shape and see what this comeback is about you're gonna do what i want you to do and that's just the bottom line and the sooner you come to realize it the more comfortable be with the results yeah the the dog is back inside of the shot you may think he's sweet he's sour he's coming for you out there we'll be watching the fights close this weekend Rashad, thank you for your time i got two words for all your listeners out there 